Welcome in, everybody, to the inaugural edition of the Crosstown Baseball Show. And I'm excited to have you here. My name is Anthony Shulo. I'm one of your hosts. And this is the first ever episode of this new Crosstown Baseball Show that uh, my buddy and I have put together for all Chicago baseball fans. And we are really excited for all that we're going to bring you. Um, this is just two guys, two fans, talking about Chicago White Sox and Chicago Cubs baseball. And I couldn't think of a better person to do it with than uh, my friend, Anthony Romanelli. Yes, two Anthonys, because two Anthonys <laughs> are obviously better than one. Uh, Romanelli, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Um, Christmas is kind of coming pretty fast here, and I don't quite know that I'm ready, if I'm being honest. Yeah, same. same. <laughs> um, well, I'm really happy to have you here. It's something, you know, you and I talked about for a while. You know, yeah. we're both diehard, diehard Chicago baseball fans. Uh, Romanelli is a diehard Cubs fan. I'm a diehard White Sox fan. Uh, we both have grown up around both teams um, here in Chicago. And really, we had kind of an itch to come on, create a show put some good content in front of um, our Chicago baseball fans. And, you know, I would like to think of this show as being kind of no holds bar. It is nothing's off limits. Um, we're going to talk a lot today, you know, in our first episode, uh, we're going to learn a lot about, you know, our fandoms. We're going to talk about kind of where we came to, you know, how we came to where we are today with our fandoms, how we describe ourselves as fans, and then really set the scene for what's going on for both the Cubs and the White Sox, which is a whole lot of ooh, something and nothing all at the same time, I suppose. But um, I want to kind of start by sharing a little bit. I'll start with you, Romanelli, if you can kind of sure. share a little bit about uh, with the listeners, a little bit about yourself um, and uh, yourself first, and then we'll get into the specific kind of Cubs fandom of yours. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> hi, uh, my name is Anthony Romanelli. I have been a lifelong Cubs fan, um, 100% lifelong Cubs fan. I was born, actually, born in Berwyn, so by birth, I, uh, birth location, I should probably be a Sox fan. Um, <laughs> however, my grandfather worked for the Chicago Tribune, who at the time owned the Cubs, and that was all I knew inside my house. So that's how I became a Cubs fan. I was taken to my first game, probably seven or eight years old, uh, by my grandfather. Uh, we walked up the stairs behind home plate, and seeing that ivy changed my life. It was from mm -hmm. that point. It was from that point forward. I became a Cubs fan, and I have been loyal ever since. Diehard loyal ever since. That's awesome. No, that yeah. that's great. I think you share. That is not a. Uh... An unfamiliar story. I think a lot of our Cub fan listeners kind of, uh, you know, remember falling in in love with the team at that early age. Something about that ballpark, whether you're a fan or not, is is there's something special about that park. And I'm sure in our, our journey together, we're going to talk a lot about it. Yeah. Um, I myself, um, I took a little bit of a more of a different journey. I am what they would call a trader, I suppose. So <laughs> I grew up a Cubs fan as well as uh, as Romanelli knows. Um, but I'm one of those that actually switched to the other side of town. So um, my journey is very unique, very, uh, very unique now, but similar to Romanelli's in that um, when I was growing up, my grandfather introduced me to Cubs baseball, right? Like I remember the first time listening to the radio, listening to Pat Hughes, Ron Sano on the radio. That's something that, I mean, some of the best entertainment you're going to get out there is Pat and Ron, the original Pat and Ron. 
um, without question. Oh, totally, totally. And um, growing up, you know, grandfather took me to games, fell in love with the ballpark, fell in love with going there, uh, you know, on a Saturday afternoon and watching a ball game. And that's where kind of the love of baseball really grew from there. And as far as I've followed the Cubs, I really followed all of baseball. I've always kind of seen myself as a fan that followed the whole sport in and out. You know, I was the type of guy where you ask me in 2015, oh, who played, you know, so-and-so position on the Oakland Athletics at the time, I could have told you, right? So I was kind of engrossed in all of baseball and still am. Um, But what I think was interesting, what's been interesting in my journey is about 2018, you know, I really started getting into, into the White Sox. I, you know, being into baseball and following the whole league, I always followed the White Sox. And I think that's something that you and I, you know, shared, you know, we always, we that's always true. had our team, but they're the yeah. other Chicago team, right? You got to give them some yeah. attention and your, your yeah. ears open. Um, yeah. But my, you know, 2018 was really a big year for me where I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I didn't love the trajectory that the Cubs were on. There's a lot of things that bothered yeah. me about the team. And I think, I think you know what I'm talking about. I absolutely do. Um, <laughs> it was the beginning of the end. And I can't remember. Uh, yeah. After 2016, we ended up, let's see. So then 2017, I got on a plane and went to Arizona to watch spring training right afterward because I just couldn't get enough. Um, And then they just little by little started to fall apart. And I, I somewhat understand why you jump ship. Uh, My loyalty is a little stronger. Uh, Okay. (laughs) You're not wrong. You're clearly uh, not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. No, my love for baseball. I, I think both of our loves for baseball will, will stay forever strong but mm-hmm. I will, I will die hard with this team. Um, I, you know, as Harry once said, as you know, as God has created the green apples, the Cubs will make it to the World Series, and they did, and they won. Uh, so, as far as me having no control over a bucket list, I was happy that it happened during my lifetime. Uh, yeah. And now we're starting over, still, since 2016, and it is now you know, heading to the 2023 season. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit here. I think, you know, that really sets, puts it in perspective, you know, both Romanelli's journey, my journey as fans, and it's something that's going to come up, obviously, repeatedly. We're always going to dip into our past. And um, one of the things I did want to do before we start talking about these teams, because there's a lot to talk about, um, is kind of give everyone a sense of what we're looking to accomplish here with this show, right? Like this show is going to be, we want it to be as entertaining for you as fans. We want to be different. This show is not going to be a show where we're going to come in here and throw advanced stats at you because you know what? There's enough of those. And I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but Romanelli and I agree that, you know, stats tell you a lot about how players perform and they're important, but they're not the only thing that's important. And perhaps they've even gone a little too far. So we will use them here, but we're not going to overkill you with the stats. You know, we want to be a show that is one that provides you a lot of different content in a lot of different places. Um, you know, Romanelli and I may be here talking to you here on a, on a podcast show like we're doing now. Um, it could be that we show up live on a video or that we go and experience something as fans that we want to share with you, whether it's interviews, guests, fan experiences, we want to give you all of it. So um, we are going to make this as entertaining and engaging for you as possible. Um, 
one thing I will say, like I said, no things are off limits. Um, this is by no means meant to be a hardcore family show, right? We're going to get irritated. We're going to celebrate the victories and get very <laughs> upset when things go way wrong, which way sure, wrong. we'll talk about here today. Way wrong is the exact way to say it. Um, but I do want to start, you know, with where things are at now. We're going to be doing these shows once a week, talking about the latest with our with our Cubs and our White Sox. But I think I want to start you know, with talking about the state of both of these teams. And sure. it that's a big question, I know. But I, I just want to your read, Roman Ellie, on, on let's start with 2022 with the Chicago Cubs. I mean, when when that season ended, what were your impressions after that 2022 Cubs season? Uh, that the ship had not only sunk, but that they, they would never find the, the ship again. Um, it was... <laughs> horrific uh the everything about its glory had long since disappeared i think the fans had knew it had known it um and were having a difficult time trying to stay motivated to even go to the games there was there, there seemed i think the love seemed to be gone um and and only the diehards were left uh, if you look at attendance numbers, I know that the, the attendance numbers were there, but it became more of the old fan going uh, to the game as opposed to uh, the new fan. And what's most disappointing about that is in 2016, when they did win, you were not only did the entire world explode, but we finally got a sense of what it was like to win. And you really believed that they were going to continue on that path um but little by little they just blew it up and i think the 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 first thing that struck me was when they got rid of you darvish to me that was the beginning of the end mm -hmm. uh, i think it was i think that was the first one the first one of the chips that fell um and that's when i knew i was like man this does not look good you had theo who had done all that work behind the scenes uh, and then all of a sudden, once you Darvish left or, or was <laughs> asked to leave, um, once you was traded, uh, basically for nothing, you kind of had the sense that this was not going to go well. And it's continued that way. Yeah, I mean, it it's it's really there, there's a few things going on there, right? There's there's the the reality that the Cubs in Chicago are a big market team who had won a World Series, who you expected to continue to contend. I, I do think it was a hard sell, and I know it was a hard sell, and I know you agree, that for that team to go to the fans and say, hey, we won the World Series, great, 108 years, broke it, whatever. We're going to do this retool, rebuild, re-whatever-the-hell you want to call it. Are you cool with that? And they expected fans to take that. that. That's a hard pill to swallow considering how much money that team makes and the right. market that they're in. Yeah, they're in the top five markets in the country, and they didn't even show up in the top 15 uh, or top 20, if I'm not mistaken, regarding uh, free agent signings uh, to this point. They're not even in, I think they were 19th, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure, but it was something around 19th. Yeah, I'm, and, and that makes me think about kind of what they have done so far and so i i want to kind of pivot to that for a second because sure. you saw a 
Cubs team that won 74 games under 500, 19 games out in a division that if you put a solid team together, we both know that you could win that division. Really the only competitive team this year was the Cardinals. Brewers had their moments and we can argue going into 2023, the Brewers are most likely a worse team. But when that season ended a couple months ago, the 2022 season, when what were what's your what was your wish list? Like, what did you want to see the Cubs do this offseason to improve this team? Well, believing that they were or hoping slash believing that they were going to keep Contreras, uh, build the pitching. Uh, we completely underestimate the importance of pitching. Verlanders are proof that pitching wins. Um even regardless of all the stuff that had happened years ago with Houston, uh, Verlander was proof that you need a top-tier pitcher. Uh, they did it in Houston. Uh, Hendricks had fallen far, far off his best. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even think he had 100 innings pitched for the year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know exactly off the top of my head. I I think you're right because he spent a lot of time this past year on the injured list. And that's something too. His reliability just hasn't seemed to have been there in recent years. 84 and 84 innings last year. Yeah. So he's four and six with a 4.8 ERA, but it was the, the injuries. Um, So you didn't really have anybody that when they took the bump, you weren't, you weren't excited. There was nobody for you to be like, I can't wait for this. You know, I had called as Hendricks was developing. I nicknamed him uh, Maddox Mm 2.0. Everybody else called him the professor. I literally nicknamed him Maddox 2.0 to, to my close friends because he did the same thing. You could just, he could pitch with his eyes closed the same way Maddox could. And he knew exactly where that ball was going. Um, and as, you know, as, uh, pitchers who are control pitchers get a little older and their body changes and they're not able to hit the spots, uh, and then the injuries, there was no hope for that team. There, there was no pitching leadership whatsoever on that team. No. And, and I think the pitching, and this is something that, you know, historically we know the Cubs they kind of made a shift here recently because when we go back to that championship team, you're looking at them drafting and developing guys that are position players, right? Your your Anthony, your your uh, well, Anthony Rizzo was a trade, but more your Chris Bryant's, your Javi Baez, people coming up through the system that were heralded as being strong prospect position players. I think they've learned their lesson that you can't do that and develop no pitching, right? I mean, but now I kind of wonder if they've shifted so much in the other direction to the point where they've had to this offseason start to really think about being aggressive on some prime uh, position players on the market, notably their recent signing of Dansby Swanson. So when you saw that, kind of what was your immediate reaction a couple of days ago when they actually got one of these big four shortstops? Um, I'm happy. Uh, I don't know that I'm ecstatic, but I'm happy because he's solid. Um, I believe that they made the right move regarding not, dropping 10 years on anybody because Mm -hmm. that's just insane people people today in just about any industry don't stay with jobs for 10 years anymore so why would a a baseball team give somebody 10 years then he'd be how old at the end of those 10 years 38 i think 
and statistically it's proven by about 32, 33 bat power and bat speed slow down. I don't want to say significantly, but enough to make a difference. So mm-hmm. him at him at 35, by the time he's done, uh, I'm good with that. Uh, him and Horner up the middle will be good with Bellinger in center field as well. You've got a really tough defense up the middle. Uh, you've still even got half with the gold glove and left. So again, defensively, I'm good, but no one is going to scare. The Cubs aren't going to scare anybody offensively, I don't think, to where <laughs> to where anybody's going to be like, oh my God, we have a four game series with the Cubs. I hope we can take one. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be that way. I'm I'm hopeful that they don't lose a hundred games again. I don't. I, that that might be a push to say that they're going to lose a hundred, but. I'd be shocked if they go 80 and 80. That's interesting you say that because this, I believe from what I hear from many Cubs fans, that this was the year when that they were going to really push this payroll and, and get as strong as they can over this offseason. And you hear from Frank Kenny, the, uh, the president of business operations, basically say, hey, if baseball ops and Jet has have all this money, that whole wheelbarrow of cash sort of crap, hey, well, it's here. He has money. There's some that even left over from last season that they rolled over to this this offseason. I don't know that, and you tell me if, if I'm wrong, this offseason, they don't seem as all in as I thought they could have been and should have been. Agree. Um, now, I do, We, you and I talked about this off air uh, earlier. Uh, we both agree that the, some of the contracts out there are absolutely insane. So to to that point, I think they've made the right decision. Uh, they're looking to almost put a puzzle together and, and they're looking for the right pieces, but they seem to have just kept missing out and missing out and missing out. So that was disheartening to say the least uh, regarding the shortstop situation. Uh, the Yankee signing for uh, that pitcher, uh, I'm excited about him. He's definitely a workhorse. He had quite a few innings. He was well over 100 innings. Um, I, again, I can't think of the statistics off the top of my head. Uh, and with us not being super stat heavy, at least right now, not too concerned. Uh, but I expected a little bit more of a splash in the offseason. And I didn't – I don't think anybody got super excited. I think from mm-hmm. your side of town, I was excited for them to get Clevenger. I was excited for them to get – uh, who did they just sign last week? Uh, uh, Andrew Andrew Benintendi. Yes, I like him a lot. So I, I when in, it's funny because I uh, I got to meet Jose Abreu years ago uh, when my daughter was a Girl Scout. There was a Girl Scout event, and then we got to walk the field, and I didn't realize how physically large Abreu was. Yes, uh, and, and then you, you or I standing next to him looked like a toothpick. So <laughs> um, to see him and to find out that he, to see him in person and then to find out he's gone, I'm like, how are they going to replace that? I don't know that Ben Attendee is as strong or as a Brayu, but he is so solid and his, his upside potential is huge. I really, really like that signing for them. I mm. like, I like Clevenger. Um, I think the Sox are absolutely headed in the right direction. I'd be shocked if they're not contending for the AL Central, to be completely honest with you. Um, I don't see why they can't win it. 
uh, I'd be surprised if they're not contending. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. And we'll go ahead and uh, talk about the Sox here in a moment because I have uh, so many thoughts. And for a team that, like you said, they should be winning the AL Central, but last year, an utter disappointment. I really do think if you ask people around baseball, the biggest team, the biggest disappointment as a team last year, the White Sox are probably top of that list. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. <laughs> I would agree. Um, so as we talked about with the Cubs, we kind of spewed out a bunch of names for you. Just want to go ahead and do a recap of what exactly they've done in the offseason up to this point. So just to kind of set the stage, last uh, last season, 2022, they had a, a final payroll of about $146 million. And as it stands right now with some of the offseason moves that they've made, they're sitting at $181 million for 2023. So some of the notable things they've done this year so far, um, obviously they added one of the big four shortstops in Dansby Swanson, who we mentioned. That's a seven-year deal um, for $177 million. That actually takes him through twenty nine. And this is no nothing to scoff at, folks. I mean, he, this guy's his annual uh, average annual value on this contract's a smidge over uh, twenty five million. So that's a, that's a huge yeah. commitment for this team. Um, yeah. We have Bellinger, obviously, as we know, had the one year uh, the one year contract at twelve point five. And I, what's amazed me about this, Anthony, is is he has a mutual option for twenty five million behind that one year deal, which I thought is. That's big money. I mean, that's big money where I don't know that he is even going to opt into that unless he has a great season. And if he has a great season, he's going back on the market. Without question. Yeah, he is definitely a stopgap. Uh, I only see him as a stopgap. I don't see the Cubs paying him $25 million. I just don't. Uh, I just don't. Under no, under no circumstances, unless they just blow this season out of the water and mm-hmm. all of a sudden are like, you know, 105, you know, 100, 105 wins. Do I see that happening? No way. It, it, and it, it just makes no sense, right? Because if I'm, if I'm in the shoes of the Cubs and Bellinger, say he has a great 2023, um, then the Cubs are going to be like, yeah, I would love to pay a 25 and pick up that option. But if you're right. sitting on Bellinger's side of the seat, you're not picking up, you're not mutually agreeing to that option. You're going on the market. So I, okay. it just makes no sense why that's there. I agreed. Um, we got on the list here of other acquisitions for this year. Um, big pitching acquisition for um, uh, Jameson Tyone. They picked up him uh, again, as you said, from the Yankees last year. Really just solid, reliable pitcher. Honestly, someone that you're going to have. Uh, hopefully you can keep him in three to four ERA per year. Put up some great innings, consistent, not oft injured. Um, but they signed him to a four-year $68 million deal at about 17 annual uh, average annual value there. Um, and then they did sign uh, Brad Boxberger. So a reliever uh, for, uh, for about, it was a one year deal, 2.8 million, but it looks like there's a mutual option there as well. Um, so going back to what you said though, I mean, there are still holes on this team. Biggest hole that you mentioned, who the heck fills the shoes of Wilson Contreras, Contreras and quite frankly, nobody. Nobody, nobody. He was in the top five, statistically for a lot of things, uh, a lot of offensive categories. Um, I do know that from a defensive perspective, he was a little bit of a disappointment, uh, which is why I think they let him go. But I am still, you and I talked about this again, offline earlier. Uh, You need leaders, you need clubhouse leaders. And who is going to be your clubhouse leader at this point 
in this season, or not at this point in the season, uh, moving forward. There's no, there's no true voice. There's no true leader. Hap is a quiet man. Uh, I don't know that he leads. He may lead by example because of the gold glove from last year, but I don't know that he has the, the passion, the out, the outward voice and the outward passion that that team is going to need moving forward. I have a feeling when they slump, they're going to slump hard and long because you're not going to be able to rally behind somebody unless Nico Horner decides uh, or Nico Horner is able to play a full season and play healthy and lead by example and maybe become a leader down the road. Uh, right now, I don't know who it is. There's, I don't. I don't know who it's going to be. I have no clue, and I don't think they even know. I don't. I don't think they do, and and that's that's disturbing to say the least. You know, I I am continuously shocked with really what happened with Contreras. I I did think, I thought at least when you went ahead a couple seasons ago and they let go of you know traded at the deadline Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez. I thought okay, they they got to keep Contreras, and for the reasons that you say, the leadership part of it, but also let's just be honest with ourselves here. Yes, he's an offensive catcher. He's he's no dud defensively. He's not the yeah. best defensively. But you take all that together, and it's hard right now in the league to find a better catcher. It is a hard position to find a premium player. And for what the Cardinals paid him in the offseason, he's obviously going to the Cardinals, which is a whole other conversation. Let's talk about, I mean, think about how just insane that is. It was a five-year, $87 million deal. I I, I don't buy that the Cubs would not have been comfortable with a contract like that. That just seems silly to me. Agreed. And especially because they gave Swanson the seven years. Um, the other thing that I'm surprised about is there was serious talk in the offseason about signing Happen Horner to long-year deals. We know mm -hmm. that those guys are going to be around for a while. We know that they're solid. You know that if Horner stays healthy, he's – he's a future all-star. You just know it. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a shorter, stronger version to me of Ryan Sandberg. He's just mm. a solid, solid glove can move well in both directions. Doesn't make mental errors. Doesn't make mental mistakes. Um, again, I think that uh, up the middle for them is they're going to be great, but they were talking about in the summer, okay, let's sign Hap and Horner. And they didn't do that either. Now, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that they were waiting till this shortstop, uh, uh, I can't even think of the right word, but this shortstop situation uh, got passed. Now that they're past the shortstop situation and they've signed the couple catchers, or I'm sorry, the couple pitchers, um, why don't they lock up Horner and why don't they lock up uh, Hap? Um, was, was this a fluke year for Hap or has he... Is he peaking now? We'll see. And I and I think I I just don't understand why they're not locking up, why they didn't lock up Contreras. I understand why they're not locking up Horner because he was injured. But at the very at the very least, at least lock up Hap because you then have some form of a leader. Right now, they have mm -hmm. no they have no definition of who they are as a team. The White Sox do. They have a direction. Uh, you've got clubhouse leaders, you've got uh, general managers that are behind them growing, you've got a lot of positives. And I don't see the same positives 
for the Cubs that I do for the White Sox. Well, that's a great segue to talk about the the White Sox because you know, as I said, uh, as I said a, a few moments ago, I mean, this is a team that I mean, you had people picking this team in 2022 to actually compete for World Series and actually win the whole damn thing, and instead we ended up with an 81 81 team, 500 team, and it, and if you look at their their schedule all year long, I mean, when I say 500, this wasn't we had a bad month. This was, we played 500 ball the whole year. And I, I don't even know where to start with this team, if I'm being honest with you. Um, this, their trajectory is a good one, right? Mm-hmm. You, look at, you look at from 2016 onward, when Rick Hahn first went on this rebuild, he had a plan, plan was in motion, picking up players like Yohan Mankata, Michael Kopech, and the Chris Sale deal, um, you, know, you name it. Giolito from the Washington Giolito and Lopez from the Washington Nationals deal in 2016, 2017 offseason. That all makes sense. And that was great. And now we've gotten to this point where the Sox just seem to get in their own way. And one of the first things that showed me that they're getting in their own way, or rather, maybe even ownership's getting in the way, that Tony LaRusa hire. When you when you saw that Tony LaRusa hire, I mean, what, what were your first thoughts on that? Um uh, it drove like, and you and I also talked about this. I'm so glad that they didn't hire Ozzy. Uh, going, going to the well, talk about one too many times. Larusa was done years ago. He really was. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a huge, huge, huge mistake. They always say, you know, managers probably make the difference of about four to five games. Uh, right. with their with their decision making and i wholeheartedly believe this uh larusa cost the white Sox more than four to five games especially at the very end as he was getting sicker and i got and again let's let's be realistic we you never wish ill will on anybody and we, we hope and pray that uh larusa continues to get better uh but i think that that's why uh he all of a sudden got removed because of his health uh, but even before then, some of his decisions were just so wrong. I think he lost them more games than he should have. That was probably the biggest mistake that they made was hiring him back. Absolutely. And, and you know, the way I saw it, too, is, you know, you go back to, um, you know, you go back to when Rick Renteria was a manager of this team. And and I know there were some concerns about accountability and it was Rick Renteria, the guy much like the Cubs saw him a few years ago, the guy to take the team to the next level. And obviously Rick Hahn and company did not think Rick Renneria was the guy to take them to the next level when they were ready to win. But there was a culture there. And it, it always just surprised me that they thought that Tony LaRusa fit in with this clubhouse and would keep that culture going. Is he a great baseball guy? Of course, he's all a famer. I'm not going to deny that. But at the same time, you have to think about the culture of that clubhouse and who you're bringing in. These are a bunch of young ball players, and I, you hear it all the time. You heard it, I heard it. Oh well, Tony Larusso can connect with anybody. I don't doubt that. I don't. That's not the problem. The problem is this is a newer team with younger players that has a clubhouse culture, and when you're trying to win to change it so abruptly, that causes some problems. So, having said all of that we are now at this point where it does feel like 2023 is kind of a reset for the White Sox. They hire Pedro Griffol from Kansas out of Kansas city to manage his team, young guy, 
um, Latin, you know, Latin guy, lots of baseball experience, baseball lifer. He has experience coaching against this White Sox team. He's got that insider knowledge that you want. I really do think that this is a time where we start to realize, I hope that 2022 was a fluke and kind of a blip on the radar. And we start to see this team doing what they truly can do in 23. I I agree. Uh, you and I talked earlier also about the loss of Abreu, uh, but the addition mm. of um, Benintendi. I th- I love that signing uh, very very much. I think he's got the the youth and the energy to match uh, what they've got coming up. Uh, I believe that with that and the new manager, I think they. I do believe twenty twenty two was a fluke for them. I have very high hopes. For them and I expect them to I do I expect them to win the American League Central my belief is the only way they don't win is if they end up shooting themselves in the foot yes yes and that could be <laughs> when you say that I think well that could be a number of things that could be ownership getting in the way like there's evidence that they have in the past it could be making a dumb move and Rick Hahn in the, in the front offices part or it could be literally accidentally shooting yourself in the foot and getting injured, which is a problem with this team because in 2021 and 2022, when you look at your core guys, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Yasmani Grandal, Yohan Makata, they can't stay on the field. So Jimenez, it, Jimenez to me, yeah, Jimenez no, me you're good. was the biggest injury disappointment. He was like oft injured. Um, every time he... Every time he, you were like, okay, he's good. Then, however, soon he came back, uh, he would end up getting injured again. And I believe with Jimenez, he was always two steps forward, one step back. And that was, yeah, that was hurtful. I really believe it, that. Absolutely. I mean, he he's the type of guy, though, is when he is playing, it, it he is a supreme player i mean the skill set that he has is remarkable when he's actually on the field when we look at what he did in 2022 when he actually played he played a total of 84 games 16 home runs 54 rbis bat 295 i mean imagine right extrapolate that over 162 but he never plays 162 150 whatever you want to call it imagine when you get a whole season Exactly. Now we you we were talking about how they ended up eighty one and eighty one, and he played eighty four games. That's half your season. He literally yeah. played half your season. They they went fifty or they went five hundred. There you go. Jimenez played like I used to say this about the Cubs. The Cubs went as Contreras went. When Contreras was hot, that team was moving. Mm-hmm. When Jimenez, when Jimenez is gone, they got nothing. He was he was your energizer bunny. It, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. And I, I think about when I look across the board with this team and their stats in 2022, their overall performance, it, I think about it this way. Like it, this sounds kind of so juvenile, but it, it can't get any worse really is the way I think about it. Because you look at all these performances from, from uh, Robert to Yasmani, certainly Yasmani Grandal and Mankata there, they performed in the fifth or 10th percentile i mean uh, of their actual projected performance if the if all these players are in the 50 to 75 percentile they're walking away winning 90 95 games i mean easy easy 
So if we look at this team and kind of what they've accomplished in the offseason, we'll do we'll do kind of that exercise like we did with the Cubs. Let's go ahead and actually see what they've done so far this offseason. Um, and mind you, it has not been a lot, but obviously the Sox are in a different place than the Cubs right now. I, I think we all know that the the Sox, with all of their injury warts and not staying on the field, when they're all on the field and performing, like I said, an adequate level, they're a more complete team. But having said that right now, um, in the last couple of weeks, they've been rather quiet. So their first signing right out of the gate was Mike Clevenger adding to the rotation at one year, 12 million. You know, he is a guy that he at one point was, you know, one of the best 10, 15 pitchers in the league when he was with the then Cleveland Indians uh, was traded to San Diego, has faltered, has not been healthy, had another second, a second Tommy John surgery. And they're hoping that with Clevenger, this led lottery ticket is, is going to pay off. Yeah. And, and I think that that was a, it was a good move. So uh, we'll see. Um, it's definitely too soon. Whoops. It is definitely too soon to tell, but I don't think anybody, uh, any White Sox fan or any baseball fan has disagreed with any of the moves that they've made or thought that they've spent poorly or that they mm-hmm. missed any, or that they missed anybody like the Cubs, you you know, like, okay, well, the first shortstop, the first big shortstop is gone. The second big shortstop is gone. The third big shortstop is gone. And people were screaming, like, if they didn't, if the Cubs hadn't signed Swanson, <laughs> I would not want to have been Jed Hoyer during the uh, Cubs convention. Uh, right. <laughs> um, that's while you bring it up, I mean, it, was that the way you felt about it? Like, did you feel like, oh, if we get through these four shortstops, what the hell are we doing? Yeah, I still kind of feel that way anyway. Um, I still, <laughs> I do like, again, that the, the Yankee pitcher that they signed, I like him. He's going to be, as a workhorse to give innings, I do like him. Um, I don't know who your opening day starter is going to be. Is it going to be Hendricks? Because of uh, that's the way it's been. So that's the way it's going to be. Um, mm, yeah. I don't know. I, I, well, I don't know. it's it it just seems like like the 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 difference between the White Sox is the cut and the Cubs it just comes down to certainty, right? There's just so much less certainty with this Cubs team right now, and so when we go to you know talking back about the White Sox and you look at their other addition, we you you had mentioned him earlier, Andrew Benintendi. Um, let me just say this, okay? I'm seeing a lot on Twitter. After this Andrew Benintendi signing, when, it, when we look at his contract, they signed him to five years, seventy-five million. Okay, that's fifteen million a year, mm-hmm. and at five years and seventy-five million, he is the most expensive contract in White Sox history. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care about that. I've seen people get so pissed off that this is the guy that they spend the most money on. I here's why I don't care. I don't care about that that big number at the end of the contract. I care about how much are you paying this guy per season, and at fifteen million, that's market value for an above average player. That is that is market value for an above average player. Um, and again, I, yeah, again, I think the White Sox are making the right moves, the right amount of money. I think they've built uh, a contender, like you, like we both talked about earlier. I believe that. Uh, last year was a blip. I'm hopeful for them. Um, I do watch both teams. I always have. Um, I still, to this day, can remember exactly where I was sitting when Pesednik hit that home run in 2005. I can tell you exactly (laughs) where I was sitting. 
Um, uh, so yeah, um, I'm excited for them. I think they're making the right moves. I think they're headed in the right direction. Uh, the, the new manager from Kansas City, I think, was a very, very wise move. Uh, I'm glad they didn't bring Ozzy back. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, the last, the last thing they needed was an insular hire. I mean, the last, the last the last hire in the manager spot that they had that was not insular goes back actually i believe it was jerry manuel jerry manuel yeah. was the last one and he was um he was actually the manager of the white Sox back in 1999 or 1998 excuse me so um that that's insane i mean i i would like to think that they're changing the way that they do business there um one thing i do get concerned about still is their kind of how do I say this their lack of willingness to spend like a big market okay this is where the where the Cubs and the Sox have a lot of similarities right now they both are big market teams whether the Sox like to play small market or play medium market you know they have for years but the fact remains is both both teams have higher attendance than a lot of these other teams with smaller markets and people come out to their games. I, I would love to see the Sox spend more money because if you're serious about winning a world series championship and you say to your, to your GM Rickon in that front office, Oh, well, we're only going to have the same payroll that we had last year, which is 193 million. Do you know where they're at right now with all their transactions so far? 193 million. So right. I start to get red flags of if you want to win a world series, you have to throw money and put money into this team. And if you're not willing to do that, I start getting a little pissed off. Yeah. And as, as you should be, because you know, as well as I do, uh, you have to spend money to make money and yes. you have to spend money to make a splash. Um, I, I, I think all of the White Sox moves were very smart. None of them were splashy, mm -hmm. um, but they were smart, but were they splashy? Not necessarily. It, yeah. And, and you know what, I, I think about it this way too, is whenever I'm talking to other fans about this, it, I, I like to explain it in just pure business and economics. And that is, I don't know that. And I, I, I don't, it's a Jerry thing, right? Jerry runs this team. He makes the final decisions, but I, I think about it as in this sort of scenario, you have to, like you said, spend money to make money. If you're spending money into a product that people like, and that's different, People will come and see that product. And yeah. if they're seeing that product, you're making more money that then goes into that product and back into the team. So I don't understand why that logic just doesn't seem to exist for the White Sox. Blows my mind. I don't either. And the whole idea of if if they build it, if you build it, they will come. If you right. build a winning team, you're going to put butts in the seats. You just are. It, it doesn't matter what team you are. Um even the Rays, uh, if or like the Orioles, look at the Orioles. Like the Orioles, yes. did, they, did, did they did they make the playoffs or were they like this close? I they were they were close. They ended up not Super making the playoffs, but yep. they were. I mean, they really surprised people down the stretch. And guess what? They're slowly adding to that team. They didn't make any yep. big splashes, but they're doing. They're reinforcing their team, knowing yep. with what they can do within within their bounds. And again. You can argue their attendance isn't great, right? Maybe they can't afford what what our Chicago teams can afford, but Jesus, are they going for it? Yes, they are. And what's interesting is 
the Cubs continually get compared to the Rays in their the spending and the development <laughs> except, except the Rays, I'm sorry, the Rays are just doing it better. They just are. And I mean, look where they got Joe Madden from. Mm. Look where the Cubs got Joe Madden from. They got him from the Rays. Um, there's something about Tampa Bay where short version, I just believe that their front office and their player development is just far superior to the Cubs right now. It just is. Uh, as a, again, as a diehard, whatever you follow every, you know, Twitter page that has to do with the Cubs and you're like, okay, well, the Cubs have 11 top 100 prospects. I don't care because if they don't make it all the way up, none of it matters. Correct. Correct. I well, it, I don't care. It, well, here's the thing there is, is you, you're talking about two important things, right? You're talking about having fielding a competent above average major league team every year. And whether that's through the resources of trading folks, free agent signings, what have you. And you're talking about the rays that are good at developing players. But here, here's what I'll say about that is, the truly the top tier best teams in baseball are like the Los Angeles Dodgers who do both. They invest both. in players and every year they can get rid. They can let a, a Trey Turner walk and they have you know next man up every single year. And I, there is no reason why any of the teams in Chicago can't take that approach. Literally someone's doing it 2000 miles away. Yep. We've got, you've got a team in my, in our division doing it 300 miles away in the Cardinals every yeah. year for my entire life. Yes. The Cardinals, the Cardinals are right there. It's never been you know, always Pittsburgh. It's always the Cardinals. Always. And it kills <laughs> me. It kills me. Oh, my God. It drives me nuts. I, I don't blame you. And 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 that is, that is where both these teams need to be. And I, I, I would like to say – that right now both of these teams are have a bit of an identity crisis i'd like to call it yes. more so the cubs i think than the Sox. but i think like like i said the Sox really right now the proof's in the pudding right like 2023 and this is where i get i am hopeful but i'm also a little worried because i'm going to be honest with you if we go into 2023 and we're seeing a season even remotely close to, to 2022 i don't know what's what's the what the future of this team looks like because you may be in a situation that the Cubs were in 2017, 2018, where they had this core, they believed in this core, and the results weren't coming, and they had to make the tough decision of going, this isn't working. And I really hope the Sox don't find themselves in the same position. Me too. Um, I think that you need to study the way winning teams win. You need to – I think they – I think the Cubs in particular are stuck with the – Billy Bean mindset. Um, mm. Theo was a magician um, with what he did back back then um, with all of the uh, analytics. And, and now everybody talks about analytics constantly. And you and I talked about how Joe Madden kind of liked him, kind of didn't believe them, still trusted his gut. Um, and so where the Cubs need to go is kind of use a combination of analytics and belief in growth in players. Like why haven't we signed Hap to a long-term deal when he's just won his gold glove? 
You, mm-hmm. you, now, you now believe in him as a solid core for the future. Uh, where is the commitment to winning? Where is it? Is the is the Yankee pitcher who's now the Cubs pitcher? Is that signing the beginning of okay? Now we believe. Now we're going to start again. We're starting over again. We've been starting over for the last seven years. It's like the Bears, for God's sakes. Um, like okay, stop, stop starting over. We, we right. That's what it, a team like the Cubs shouldn't have to start over. Right? We ever. both agree heavily. Um, I mean, and it's just it it, to me, what frustrates me more about about the Cubs right now is you don't know. We don't know where they're going. I mean, Mm -hmm. they say where they think they're going, but it's almost seems like this like half ass. I'm in. I'm out. I don't know what I'm doing. Please help. I don't have money. I have money. I just don't know. I can't define it. I think a lot of Cubs fans are in this kind of just in between space where we don't know what to think or feel right now. And I think that I, I don't know that I'm right here, but I wholeheart I believe that Ross has two years left on his management deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And what I mean by that is I don't know what his contract is. I, I'm saying he's got two years and he's done. He's gone. Right. Be- unless he unless he pulls some miracle this year and they win 95 games, I think he's done. I just do. I think this is the beginning of the end for Ross because they've gotten rid of everybody else. Um, and I think they're just, I do. I, I don't know. It's a gut thing. I mean, we've seen this a million times here in the city where as much as they love Ross and Ross was their guy when they hired him. And I do think there is still a connection there where he's the guy, I think in their eyes, you start to wonder is, is he, a, um, you know, a who, who I always forget this guy because he was he was the cousin manager for a year. Was it Mike Quaddy? Do you remember him? Mike Quaddy for like a year. <laughs> um, you know, Rick Renteria. Like, does David Ross become the bridge guy or is he the guy? I'd be very interested to see how that turns out in two years' time, as you're saying. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm hopeful that uh they continue to win, but I just I just have a feeling. We'll yeah. See. Oh man. Um either way, both these teams, um, a lot to be thinking about as you go through the off season and don't worry, we'll be here talking about all of it every week. We'll have something new for you. Um, what I want to do before we, before we wrap up, um, because we're going to get into details in other episodes, obviously today was meant to be just a, let's let you get our thoughts on where these teams are at right now. And obviously if we can go on for hours about what they're currently experiencing. Um, but I want to talk about the winter meetings real quick, Romanelli. I, I, I don't know how closely you follow the, the, the winter meetings. Obviously they were a couple weeks ago uh, there in San Diego um, this was a huge market. You're looking at Aaron Judge. You're looking at uh, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson. This was a large um, position player pool in the winter meetings, but also on the pitching side. You're looking at uh, Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander, Chris Bassett. Um, Carlos Rodon was just signed by the Yankees yesterday. This has been a fairly large free agent pool with a lot of quality talent. And the winter meetings um, – I don't know about you, but I had some impressions. I, I was very shocked in how the winter meetings went and how some of these contracts came down. What were your impressions seeing some of these signings, particularly in the winter meetings? For the Cubs, what just happened? Um, for the Cubs, I wasn't too impressed uh, overall. I, again, I know they signed uh, Ballinger and they signed uh, the 
Yankees pitcher. Outside of that, not much impressed me. I, I think that uh, the Swanson deal was almost, I don't want to say to cover his butt uh, <laughs> for, for Jed, for Jed and company. But I do believe that had they not signed Swanson, um, the winter meetings would have been a disaster. I'm sorry, uh, the January convention would have been mm. a disaster. Would have been a disaster. Yes. Especially, especially because Ricketts made it publicly known and Kenny Crane made it publicly known that the Cubs have money to spend. And we sat and we sat and we sat. And just in the last week, uh, did they, or in the last couple of days, did they, did they sign Swanson? Um, and we also know that Swanson's wife plays for the Chicago Red Star. So there was part of that personal reason that Swanson signed there. Um, was it going to be Swanson the whole time? That we don't know. Um, what are they going to do now? I have no idea. Um, I don't know what else or who else is out there insofar as big ticket names. Um, not many right now. Not not many. And I, I just, I think the Cubs status quo uh, will continue. I think they'll look for bargains. Um They'll look for stopgap uh, signings, <clears throat> excuse me, signings. But outside of that, I was not super impressed with their efforts at winter meetings. Uh, no, I, I certainly wasn't either. I think one of the one of the takeaways for me just in general across the league, because this does impact Cubs and the Sox is, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, these deals for free agents, we've seen something this year that we've never seen before. And that's that these deals, 10, 11, 12, 13-year deals that go to age 40, 41 for some of these players. And it's something we've never seen to this magnitude before. And it, I, I I, don't even know that I know what to make of it right now. I'm still processing. Yeah, I think, uh, I think desperation is probably the only word I can think of. Like, we need to do this because we need to make a splash and neither the Cubs nor the Sox were willing to spend that kind of money for that kind of time. And actually for that, I commend both of them because we were talking earlier, people, people don't stay at jobs for 10 years anymore, let alone imagine athletes on teams for 10 plus years in a row, regardless, you, you break a toe, you're out. Who knows? Um, mm -hmm. so, so we'll see. Um, moving forward, but the amount of years is just ridiculous. Um, I don't even know how to justify that uh, in, it, in any way. Yeah. It, it, it's tough. I mean, I will say, and I will try to justify it from a, from a kind of an owner's uh, front office perspective, but you know, you look at, let's just use Trey Turner as an example. He went to Philadelphia, 11 year deal. I believe that goes through his 40 age, 40 or 41 season as well. Um, if you're Dave Dabrowski or you're the owner of that team, you're thinking, I'll pay this guy 25, 24, 25 annually for that long. If I get one World Series, two World Series out of it in that time, fine. The rest of it pays for itself. And that's got that that is surely the perspective of the owner in the front office of teams like that. Agreed. Um, and when Harper signed last year, how much he was didn't he sign for like 10 years? Uh, so Harper, I believe, and I'll look it up here. I think he was actually 
three, I think it was 13, 13. years. Yeah. yeah I mean, so he's the it, one who started and I don't want to say he's the one who started it, but yeah, his 13 million, or I'm sorry, his 13 year deal. Now he played, I'm not a fan of Bryce Harper's attitude, but that man was so dialed in that, and they, and his, his owner even said it like everything that you did for this city and this team this year, I feel like I've underpaid you. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's that's part of this too, right? Is these deals make that deal, which we thought was insane at the time, look like a bargain at twenty five right. million a year for a guy like Bryce. And right. so, and so, I it, two conclusions I draw is number one, you have teams that are willing to pay into the forties for these players and and take that short term win with a long term gamble. But then, it it only reinforced for me that these teams that are in it to win it every single year. The Mets, the Yankees, uh, the Dodgers, not so much the Dodgers this offseason, Houston, Giants are one of these teams. They're going to spend and take whatever it takes. And guess what? If you want to play with the big boys, Cubs and White Sox, this reinforces that you need to spend. And if you're not going to spend, this is going to become a problem in the short term. Yep. And I think I think the Phillies are now part of the big boys. I, I yeah. would say, yeah. I would say that the Phillies are now part of the big boys. The Cubs, no one is. I think the Cubs hit lightning in a bottle when they, when they won in 2016, everything lined up, everything from the 108 year curse to every additional, like every, everything was, it was, it was a dream and the dream was met. And now we're back to status quo. Uh, I don't want to say the Cubbies, like the old school Cubbies, but just go to Wrigley to have a good time. Uh, but once you get a taste of that winning, it's hard to go back and take these steps back. You're right. They got to play with the big boys. Interestingly, you mentioned the Mets. Uh, only in the last couple of years do I feel like the Mets have started to play with the big boys. Um, yes. um, the Dodgers have always been there. The Cardinals have always been there. The Yankees will forever always be there. Because they, <laughs> they have more money than God, and we know that. Right. Um, so let let the Yankees always be there. Let the Dodgers always be there. But who else is going to step up? I honestly, I do. I believe that the Phillies have stepped it up. The Cubs mm. are a joke. If you put that Cubs lineup today, like if you were to put today's lineup based on who we have and who we just got, I, who are we going to beat? Are we going to beat the? Are you joking? Are we going to beat the? <laughs> The Mets in a in a seven game series or a, no way in hell no no way in hell not a chance I don't see them beating anybody in a seven game series the way they're the way they are right now and and I'm one hundred percent content for that team to prove me one hundred percent wrong and go all the way but not the way they're built right now you know who's your first baseman who's your third base baseman wisdom who's who whiffs way more like and I had such high hopes for him. He played a lot. He played quite a few games, but uh, he's been a, a disappointment. You have no first baseman. You have no catcher who's going to produce anything with power. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a lot of 20, 25 max home run hitters. I don't even want to say a lot. You have a few. So we'll see. 
A lot of question marks, my friend, a lot of question marks. Um, you know what we're going to do um, next time we're together? I think we're going to do some New Year's resolutions for these two teams and talk like about uh, going into the new year. What should these teams be thinking about for some New Year's resolutions? And I have uh, a crap ton because there's a lot to be done. Um, so, um, hey, we're looking forward to this. You know, Romanelli and myself, we're really looking forward to bringing you new content. Um, we are going to be uh, on a weekly schedule here for the Crocktown Baseball Show. Um, how do you follow us? What do you do to get in touch with us, to continue to be engaged, to get updates? Uh, well, we have our show on Anchor.fm. I encourage you to actually check it out on anchor.fm there you can see our main page you can actually leave a voice message which if you do we'll actually read questions here on the show get you on um, address any of your questions or ideas that you have for the Cubs or the White Sox um, you'll be able to find this show this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts so that'd be Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts you name it um, and be sure to follow us on Facebook. Um, uh, Romanelli and I are very active. We're going to be very active on Twitter. So you can follow me on Twitter at Crosstown Socks. And as you guessed it, you can follow Romanelli on Twitter at Crosstown Cubs. Um, engage right. with us. At, yeah. yeah, engage with us. Get with us. Give us some ideas. What do you want to see? What do you want to hear? That's what we're here for. Any uh, last words today, my friend? Um, outside of go Cubs and go Sox. Uh, <laughs> uh, not really. Uh, excited to start this journey with you and uh, gain some new fans along the way and have some surprise guests along the way and see where this takes us. But I'm really, really excited to do this. I'm really excited to be here and part of this. Uh, let's go. Let's go. All let's right. Go. I love it. I love it. Let's do it. Um, so don't forget to follow us. Uh, go ahead and follow us on wherever you listen to your podcast. Go ahead and follow us on social media as well. Um, and we'll see you next time here on the Crosstown Baseball Show. Have a great holiday, everybody. Have a great one.